I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Last time we were reading in Ezra chapter 9, we only got through the first five verses. Ezra was in disgrace because the Israelite people who had rebuilt the temple had mingled with the surrounding nations and started to intermarry with them and follow their ways. And of course, those ways are detestable to the Lord. And Ezra didn't feel good about this, so do you remember he pulled out his hair, tore out his beard, and laid on the ground, faced the ground, and prayed to the Lord? And he ripped his robes. Isn't a beard a sign of dignity? I suppose in those times, yes. Do you feel like it's still a sign of dignity? No, I was just like wondering about those times. Oh, I know. I'm just curious about now. I mean, kind of. <laughs> it's How, what do you think? Uh, Does Keith look like it? Um, he looks dignified. I think a beard doesn't look good on me. Mm. Doesn't make me look more dignified. Keith but there, looks like a person with a beard. Right. But there are people who look dignified, more dignified with a beard. So now it depends on the person. But back then, you're right. It was a sign of dignity. I bet he had a long beard. Who? Um, Ezra? Probably. Instead of just like a short beard? Correct. So that's where we continue at the start of verse 6. When Ezra starts to pray, he says, Oh my God, I am too ashamed and disgraced to lift up my face to you, my God. Because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our forefathers until now, Our guilt has been great. Because of our sins, we and our kings and our priests have been subjected to the sword and captivity, to pillage and humiliation at the hand of foreign gods, as it is today. Do you think when we sin, we should feel ashamed and disgraced? Trey, it sounds like maybe you're thinking yes. Why do you think we should be ashamed and disgraced? I wasn't saying we had to. Mm-hmm. Brock, why don't you think we should be ashamed in disgrace? Because we don't have to really be mad at ourselves because we can just ask the Lord for forgiveness. Well, or that the Lord already has forgiven us, right? He has forgiven us in Christ. So when you came to Christ and you accepted him, you accepted him for the as your Savior and believed that he paid for the forgiveness of your sins, 
In what three time frames do we talk about that the Lord forgave you of your sins? Past, present, and future? That's right. So if he forgave you of your future sins at the time you came to him and accepted Jesus into your heart, then would the Lord have known about the sins you were going to commit in the future? Yes. So if he was going to reject you based on those sins, when would he have rejected you? Right now. Right then. Right Right when you tried to come to him and accept Christ. You would have been rejected. Right? But you weren't. You were accepted. Right? You were accepted because his promises are good. And he has grace through Jesus Christ. And now we are seen as the righteousness of God in Christ, despite the fact that we are still sinners in our sinful bodies. Right? But God can change your future. That's right. I think ashamed and disgraced in the New Testament, I think they're strong words. I think nowadays, instead of thinking ashamed and disgraced, I feel unhealthy. I feel not not proud. But I want to separate that from ashamed because when you're shamed, shame usually speaks to like, that's who I am. I'm ashamed of who I am. But we know that sin is going to wage for us. And there's going to be times where it wins. That's not our true identity. Our true identity is in the righteousness of God in Christ. So I think it's normal and healthy in a relationship when you've hurt the other person in the relationship. It's normal to not feel good about that. I totally agree with you on that, Trey. I think that's why you felt like, yeah, we we should feel kind of bad. And I think that's normal when you love somebody and you hurt them. Right? Just remember... That doesn't mean we have to be ashamed of who we are because we know that that's not the identity that he's invited us into. And that's not the identity through which he sees us. He sees us as righteous as God through Christ. This is Old Testament, but in the New Testament, I don't believe in shame and disgrace. Just think of it like a relationship. But you don't, you know, sometimes when I say that, and then you think of a human relationship. A human relationship, when you've really hurt somebody and lost trust, it takes time before that person really forgives you it's just that's just part of it because that person is also in the flesh they're not able to perfectly love and forgive unconditionally the way the lord would but when it comes to the way the lord sees you in your spirit just remember you are always the righteousness of god in christ and when you come to him you have no reason to come to him and feel like you need to be ashamed if anything I believe the Lord would appreciate a posture of thankfulness, of gratitude, of amazement at how fully he has forgiven you, at how much he loves you, at how well he's forgiven you and made you righteousness through Christ. And you can turn your shame into thankfulness. I'm not ashamed. I'm just thankful that even though I have been terrible at times, like he's not letting me go. Continuing on in verse 8. But now for a brief moment... The Lord our God has been gracious in leaving us a remnant and giving us a firm place in his sanctuary. And so our God gives light to our eyes and a little relief in our bondage. Though we are slaves, our God has not deserted us in our bondage. He has shown us kindness in the sight of the kings of Persia. He has granted us new life to rebuild the house of our God and repair its ruins. And he has given us a wall of protection in Judah and Jerusalem. But now, O God, what can we say after this? For we have disregarded the commands 
You gave your servants the prophets when you said, The land you are entering to possess is a land polluted by the corruption of its peoples. By their detestable practices they have filled it with their impurity from one end to the other. Therefore, do not give your daughters in marriage to their sons or take their daughters for your sons. Do not seek a treaty of friendship with them at any time, that you may be strong and eat the good things of the land and leave it to your children as an everlasting inheritance. And the challenge is still the same today. Yes, you're forgiven. Yes, you're as righteous as God in Christ. No, I don't want you to be, do, do, to be intermingling your spiritual life with your sinful flesh. I want you to realize the, pet, the, the identity I've given you, how righteous you are, and I want you to rest in that and walk in that. I haven't given you into freedom through grace so that way you could be a slave to sin in your flesh. I've actually made you prosper in grace in your spirit so that way your flesh could rise above. Now, we're not going to do perfect, right? I mean, Ezra says, we disregarded the commands. You told us this. But there's plenty of parts in the Bible where it says the point of the law was not to give us commands that we could live by. The point of the law was to actually show us. It was to increase sin. It was to show us how sinful we are, not give us a rule book that we could actually keep. You know, it didn't point us. Ultimately, if we're serious about the law and we're serious about our lives and we honestly reflect at our ability to keep the law, it only leads to one conclusion. I better hope that my God will give me grace because there's no way I can keep this law. And he did. He did it in Jesus. So it points us to our need for a savior. It only points the proud to a need to justify yourself by following the law. That's an empty road. In verse 13, we finish the prayer. What has happened to us is a result of our evil deeds and our great guilt, and yet, our God, you have punished us less than our sins have deserved. That's right. And have given us a remnant like this. Shall we again break your command and intermarry with the peoples who commit such detestable practices? Would you not be angry enough with us to destroy us, leaving us no remnant or survivor? O Lord, God of Israel, you are righteous. We are left this day as a remnant. Here we are before you in our guilt, though because of it, not one of us can stand in your presence. Trey, do you think God has given us what we deserve? No. I like that Ezra says that. You have punished us less than our sins have deserved. Not only to me, like, has God punished us less, like withheld punishment? Because what is the punishment of sin? Death. Death. So not only has God punished us less than what our deeds deserve, but he's actually blessed us. You know? There's a way to discipline, not judge, not necessarily, I don't, don't want to use the words judge or punish, but there's a way to discipline a child whom you love and build them up and bless them at the same time. And I think about last year when, you know, we had a little issue 
at school and it wasn't even a, a big deal and in retrospect there's so many things going on in this world right now that are ridiculous and we could go off into a whole tangent about that but I think of when you had to pull weeds that one day and I think of the fact that we actually ended up pulling them together and I bonded with you you know and I had like a moment where I felt like we both got to grow I got to grow as a father by helping you out of your pit or not pit but out of the place you were at and you got to be blessed because you got reminded that my father's with me he's not going to leave me out here by myself abandoned my father is with me and we'll work through everything together even the things that aren't fun we'll work through it together but he's going with me you know so it, it, it in turn ends up being a blessing to you now it's not a perfect analogy because the things that the Lord maybe would discipline us with are things that don't even come from him to begin with um, but they're just natural disciplines of this world right of living in a fallen world through that he can be with us and he can actually bless us and we can look back if, if we're willing to go through some of the some of the growing pains we can look back and be like God, my father was always with me he heard my prayers no he didn't make every single punishment go away but my goodness i was punished by this world much less than i deserved because my father was with me and not only that he turned around and blessed me he turned around and blessed me and it starts to get to a point where it doesn't even make any sense not only after being bad do i not get the full punishment that i deserve but i actually get a blessing that's just how grace works you know and that's why the second covenant is so much greater than the first. The second covenant is built on everlasting principles, which is, I am your God. I'm going to suffer the punishment for you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to do everything you couldn't so that way I can receive you. And he's like, what a loving father. It's like the ultimate father moment. And I love him. One down. Oh, I love you, boys. You guys are good kids.